Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. And today's topic is nurture or nature. That's right. How your early (laughs) life environment shapes your life as an adult. Yes, our our continuing series on nature versus nurture. And we last episode we talked about genetics and DNA and how that actually uh, can have a big impact on your uh, personality, your body, your eye color, and all those things. But I didn't realize that it had so much to do with our personality and how we react to things. But what did we talk about last time is how much DNA, what percentage of, of that is genetic and what is environment? Yeah, so it comes from an incredible researcher named uh, James R. Flynn. He's from New Zealand. And uh, he's really one of the experts in intelligence and IQ in the environment as well. Mm. So I have the, a quote from him to get us started. He says, the mind is more muscle than we once believed. It is something that we must continuously exercise to attain and maintain peak fitness. Mm. So we have to exercise our brain. Use Those it word or lose puzzles. It. <laughs> Use it or lose mm. it. Um, and so, yeah, so last time we saw, he came up with this incredible idea, right? He, he said, if you put everything we know about genetics, IQ testing uh, together, about 40% of our intelligence, our personality, our success, uh, everything essentially about us, 40% comes from genetics 40% comes from the environment, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And then 20% is chance. Mm. So we have a success gene, a wealth gene. No. Can I activate my wealth gene? <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people would ask that, right? Well, people that talk that way or, or sell that kind of stuff, from our perspective, and this is based on the science that we know exists, the research, that's not the way it works. You can't find the gene, the, the the, the no. actual code, there could be lines of code for them. to Right, but, yeah. but it's also that it's an interaction of genes. Mm. In other words, yes, you can identify certain genes that uh, are dormant or asleep or missing or something, mutated. Uh, but it's the an- interaction of genes, actually the way they're expressed from the environmental pressures or demands that results in the expression of that gene. Mm. So it's always a gene environment interaction. So even someone who looks at your genetics and say puts you in a category of uh, your your g- personality makeup, just looking at the DNA is not a way to do that because you said it's a combination. It's a very complex system that we're working with and interaction with the environment. So a lot of people, I know there was a debate: is it nature or nurture? And yeah. I think one it's still of, going on. Yeah, still going on. <laughs> but I think one of the ways uh, that they they um, they really can see the difference between nature and nurture is in twin studies. 
Yes. Because the genetics are exact. It's two people with the exact same gene makeup are having two in two different environments. We see the impact on the environment. Yeah. And also the impact on the genetics, regardless of the environment. That's right. Uh, so especially twins, identical twins who have been separated at birth and raised in different environments, mm. you can tease out then what impact that that environmental difference have on their genetic expression. Mm. Right. So um, another example of environment. So how would you just let's describe environment mm. just so, we're, so we know what framework is. So genetics is the DNA, our body, our inheritance. Uh, we have epigenetics, like we talked about last time, which turn on and off uh, certain genes. So there's a complex uh, system of genetic it, it, genetics in us. But then the environment is what? The environment is how much we're loved, uh, how, well, if we're a wealthy house, poor house, uh, if we have friends, if we don't have friends, all that. All, all those that. things, but there's a, an easier way to think about it. Think about culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in America, we're used to thinking that we don't have culture, yeah. that culture exists in other places, in other mm -hmm. cultures. But that's not true. Everyone has a culture. Well, I know I would from New Jersey. Uh, there's a certain culture in New Jersey, yeah. and I would never think I would have anything in common with someone from Texas. You know, we think of cowboys, and although it's not all that, but you know the stereotypes. But even then, even in the U.S., there's different states and whatever country you're in. I'm sure there's different regions that have their own culture, their own even accents. Yeah, mm. and then and then there's subcultures within those cultures, mm. but. Culture then gives us a framework because if you think about culture, it gives us the paradigm, the worldview in, in which we exist. And mm. in, in other words, where the genes then express themselves mm. and also the pressure on the individual as to what language they're going to learn, what kind of foods they're going to eat, what is considered normal behavior mm. <laughs> yeah that's a that's an interesting one yes because well, even child, child children right you knew yeah. uh, we're doing assessments on children you said different cultures see what child rearing should be and what yeah. it shouldn't be and each every culture has their own way of disciplining children or letting children have more freedom than others yeah uh, eye contact in some cultures eye contact is encouraged mm -hmm. and in other cultures it's considered rude to to directly look at a person in the eye so also affection is cultural too yeah. some people it's like not okay other families are very affectionate so. the way emotions are demonstrated mm -hmm. expressed all part of culture and and the thing about culture is you don't see it until you step outside of it you think well it's just the way things are and that's the way things should be because you're you're in the bubble of that your culture, mm -hmm. you don't even notice it. No, but when you travel and you go to another country in another culture, you notice it, right? You notice, oh, things are done differently here. The food is different. The way people behave is different. The way their body language is expressed, mm -hmm. all those things are different. And so, how does the family culture, like in Jungian yeah. uh, coaching, we talk about the persona? And that we create, we, mm. we get in, born into this body, we learn, like we're in this environment and, and our genetics, but also our environment, interacting with those genes create. And then yeah. we have this, our, our psyche develops this persona that basically the mask we wear. And so how does culture create that persona? 
And so we yeah. think it's our natural personality, but it's partly like if we're introvert, extrovert genetically, but there's also the environment and then it forms like what we think is acceptable. Yeah, so you have those 40, that 40% of inheritance from your genetic makeup, mm-hmm. your genotype. Uh, then the, the environment, the culture, and of course the family is housed in that culture so that they, the family is using the norms, the, 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 what's considered normal behavior and appropriate training and parenting uh, to, to raise you, mm. to, to relate to you as a child. And so you're getting the family's interpretation of their cultural environment fed to you in that way, right? You're, you're experiencing directly as you're starting to grow up your family mm. in that cultural context. Well, there's, I think about the different levels of your life. One of the things that is prominent for me is the culture of money uh, in our yeah. family, how we see money, how we see success, uh, how we look at education, um, what is, uh, you know, you hear your family say, you know, like, oh, compl- like worried about money all the time. So that's part of the culture is to, you know, look at your bills and, and to, to, to imagine stepping outside of that and not worrying about the bills and having lots of money would be weird. Like you would leave your, you want to stay in your culture. So not only does it shape you, but it also in individuation, it limits you because you mm-hmm. want to stay with your family and one of the um one of my clients a couple of long time ago she uh, and i see this very common with a lot of people is everyone in the, her family was overweight but she was uh trying to lose weight mm. and she said every time she lost weight she felt like she wasn't a part of the family anymore because the whole family was about eating overeating overindulging drinking and and just okay <sighs> with being chubby and and like there was no problem with it and then her being thin she kind of felt um, sure. like different so we see that kind of challenge too not only does it limit our own kind of sense of what's possible but even if we try to escape it it's almost like a, a weight that pulls us back to that culture yes and keeps us in that limitation yeah because the the tendency that we are born with and this is genetically right that we want to fit in we mm. want to be accepted by the group especially the family and the parents so the that conflict that develops as individuals, uh, that's where you get the, you know, the kind of the rebellious mm. element that mm. uh, some people feel like I need to rebel against this and mm. find my own way. You know, it's a great example of this is Academy uh, Oscar winning movie Coda, where the woman that she grew up in her family was deaf. And she was the only one who was hearing. Yeah. And it's almost like that bubble of their culture that she wanted to go and do her own thing and how that conflict of, I don't want to leave my family. This is my comfort. And so we start to, so she had the, the, the genetics of having hearing, but the culture, the environment was non-hearing and that's right. the bubble, right? Exactly. And, and it's a very powerful conflict that mm. individuals experience. And some people will negate their own individuation in order to fit in with the family and stay mm. there and, you know, kind of carry on the culture. And others will rebel and go their own way. But don't you think that a lot of people don't even know that they're rebelling or don't yeah. even know that they're, they're stuck? They kind of just 
they don't know why they're not taking those actions toward their goals. They don't know why, you know, they keep going into the same patterns or the same type of relationships or they can't lose weight or they can't quit a, a, a habit that they can't, uh, you know, kick. And uh, they th- trying to find the root of it is we should examine, well, what environment did I grow yeah. up in? And, uh, and we can't just say, like a lot of people talk, just weight loss, for example, a lot of people say, well, you're genetics, you know, you have bigger hips in our family. So just, you know, that's just the way it is. And, uh, but there is that other element, like you said, there's 20% chance. And then there's also the environment, you put yourself in another environment, and then there's that chance that you can break free. And that's always a choice. I mean, you don't have to change, you don't have to lose weight or make a lot of money or have better relations. You could stay happy being alone. It's not, uh, (laughs) you know, good or bad, but it's there's people that feel this stuckness, but they don't know why. So this would account for that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. uh, Let's say, we go back to Freud and Jung, uh, those early experiences uh, of the family have a, a powerful influence on the way you see yourself and the world for the rest of your life, unless you do inner work, mm-hmm. meaning you actually do that individuation process where you're free from that conditioning and then you can make your own choices. But most people do not undergo individuation they simply follow the patterns or rebel against it like we we're saying mm. but in rebelling against it you're still tied to it mm-hmm. you're simply saying i don't want that lifestyle i want to be different and so you're always keeping it in mind as well even though you're rebelling against it it's like you if you grew up poor and then you're trying to be rich to get away from that poverty yes. and then you end up keep creating those same uh, same realities that another movie is the greatest sh- uh, showman uh, P.T. Barnum grew up very poor and then all his ego was so attached mm-hmm. to being that over the top and successful so he can fit sure. in with the culture and he kept unconsciously there was like always something that happened that he'd lose the money again and that's because his early life conditioning was you don't have money that's your identity <laughs> and even though consciously we change we, we want to change our identity we want to improve our life that do, don't you think that there's part of our ego that doesn't identify with our vision and our our, our aspirations? It identifies with what yeah. it knows. Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life, and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativemindlife.com. Yeah, well, so in research and in academia, money is a dirty word, so they don't use that. They they talk about SES, oh. socioeconomic status. Mm. But it's a, it's a big factor. We know if you're born into poverty... Your chances of making it are highly reduced because mm. uh, from the 
get-go, you have less access to books, to games, mm-hmm. to educational information. Uh, just the even working like if you're really poor in a country that you don't get the education, you may yeah. not. Um, you know the the uh, you don't have time because you're working. You know some countries people kids are working at thirteen. 12 years old to help the family on a farm, you know, years ago, people, you know, the kids would not go to finish school. I think it was a hundred years ago. Most people didn't even have a, uh, a a education past ninth grade. You know, most of our population, it's just recent in our recent history where we had. Yeah. The IQ in general has been rising Mm. over the past century because of education, Mm. access to education. And so when we think about other aspects is also emotions, I think is a big uh, the part of the culture. Do you share emotions? Do you talk mm-hmm. about your feelings? Or you just what keep feelings? it light? <laughs> what are feelings? Keep it light. Let's just, you know, uh, uh-huh. don't bother. And, and I've had clients who have had parents that say, stop crying. Don't be, you know, don't be so emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you something to cry about. You know, that that kind of like, it, emotions aren't, aren't really honored here. And then other families, it's like, oh, let's talk about how we feel. And the, the parent actually, it's really the parents expressing their feelings with each other and with the children. Like, I love you. I care about you. And this is how I'm feeling and being transparent. I think the child learns it's okay to share your feelings. And Yeah. Yeah. There, there's been some really good long-term, they, they're called longitudinal studies where uh, the researcher follows people from the time that they're born. Mm. Uh, Those are so interesting. Till they grow up, yeah. yeah. And then they look at the numbers and what happens to people that uh, where their parents are divorced, where the, the difference in socioeconomic status, uh, difference in education, differences mm. in diets, mm. nutrition. And all those really give us a, a very clear picture of the importance of early environment early mm. education or early experiences the better uh, let's say that the child is treated early on the more opportunities they're given to hear stories read books uh, express themselves through play through games the better they do in the long run mm. in general now there there's always exceptions because of that 20 percent chance you're not stuck <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the good news right yeah that's definitely the good news but it's a lot harder mm. for people that start off in those lower socioeconomic rungs to make it, but not impossible, definitely. Mm. We always hear those stories of people that beat the odds, right? Against all odds, they make it. Or there's people that have all the the uh, the uh, gifts yeah. and the, the financial support and the education, and they don't really do anything with their lives either. Mm. So you can have all those things in the great environment, but... You could sabotage it because um, I've worked with people who have come from very wealthy families and they actually wanted to fail to resent the parent, you know, like for being so pushy and you got to be the best, you got to be the best. And they had everything provided for them, the silver spoon, but they were just like, no, I just want to like hightail out of here. Um, and uh, I want to be a, a, a bohemian and, and travel in a van across the country and do something, mm. you know, like the opposite of what my parents did. Also, too, um, there's a lot of people that um, do the same thing with creativity. You know, they 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 break free and and they have these i'm not going to be like you know stuck i'm not going to 
what is it? Live I'm a not boring gonna, life. <laughs> it, no, I'm not going to give away my shot or. Yeah, I'm not going to. They're not going to take away my shot. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Lynn, like uh, Hamilton, that was yeah. all about his environment. He lost his parents. He had nothing, but he just kept, he had this vision. And so he would be a good example of that 20% that, that genetically and, and, uh, Maybe uh, and environmentally, he didn't have it going for him. Well, actually, genetics, he was very smart. So he had that going for him. And that genetic piece and the chance piece put him in the right environment to c- cultivate yeah. it. Um, I have to, another question, too, is, is something I've heard and just wanted to bring this up is they were talking about uh, children and two classrooms. And you've probably heard this study where they, the, the smart kids, and, the, and then there was a class with kids that were kind of slow. But they told the teachers the opposite. So they told the teacher, you're going to teach the smart kids, which is really the slow kids. And you're going to teach uh, the, the slower kids, and but they were really the smart kids. And how the smart kids, their grades went down. And how the, uh, <laughs> the, the slower kids' grades went up because of the teacher's perspective. So when we think about environment, it's also what the parent is projecting on the child and yeah. demonstrating or fee- believing what's possible for the child as well. Very much so. And, uh, that, and that's not from the parent, but that's how they were raised and it's kind of passed down in a way. Yeah, the, because yes, yeah, children, we read our parents and our teachers' expectations of us. Mm, we even even it, if right? they never say it explicitly, they never tell us, this is what I expect from you. It's communicated through their voice, through their body language, through the attitude that they have towards us. So if we get the message that, oh, I don't expect much from you, you know, mm-hmm. you just, just cruise, just do, do your best and don't worry about excelling or doing ex- incredible work. That's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Because your job as a kid is to follow the lead of the parent, the teacher, the, your peers, etc., and so expectation has a lot to do with it. Mm. So if you have young kids, definitely expect great things from them. Mm. Not in, a, in an obsessive way to where <laughs> they feel like you know you're trying to live through them. Not like a King Richard, like <laughs> you're going to be the best tennis player in the world. Well, I I don't know. Is is that bad? It's maybe not. Uh, again, it depends. I guess on on. The way it's communicated. Yeah. Right. That it, if you say, I'm going to withdraw my love from you if you don't do that. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't do what I expect, that's not a good uh, message for a child. Do you think that sometimes parents project their own like misgivings and then they try to project like mm. the things that they didn't accomplish in their life or that where they have their shortfalls on the child, like not unconsciously yeah. realizing it? Yeah. Can you absolutely. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Jung mentions that, that, um, he says some one of the saddest things is the the parent projecting their unlived potential onto the child and expecting the child to fulfill that mm. that need that they have. Yeah, and that's totally unfair because mm-hmm. now you're placing your stuff on the kid and expecting them to fulfill your needs. And would it be too that um, what about critical parents and, mm. and that kind of environment where you're always criticized or whatever you do isn't good enough? Uh, how does that impact the child and their ability? Is it for me, it would always, always felt like uh, I was afraid to make a mistake because I would be criticized or judged for it. Yeah. And then now I would do it to myself because that's the inner uh, inner dialogue. And so I'd love to 
hear about that too. The uh, how that inner voice is really our parents. Yeah, we, we hear so. As children, we internalize our parents' voice mm-hmm. and their attitude towards us so that uh, they don't have to be there. They don't have to be present anymore. They're in our head, mm. and we hear their voice telling us, don't do that, or, or yes, you should. You should do have that. done better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or why can't you be like your brother or <laughs> yeah. your sister or something like that, right? Uh, that's internalized, mm. and so it, it, it doesn't mean it's pathological. That's what we're meant to do. But you want to be conscious of it. Otherwise, that voice will continuously run your life. And and the whole idea of becoming an adult is to be free from that conditioning, to make your own choices. So what about a child whose environment keeps changing? Uh, Hear a lot of this. Mm. uh, You have a divorce or you have to go to a new school and you're really young. That really impacts the child as well because she's they're in different environments and it's not consistent yeah i it would depend on what kind of support they have mm. and often what what it boils down to is is the the child included in the conversation of moving of changing mm. schools of instead of just being told this Tolerated. is what we're doing yeah. and get used to it and mm. figure it out uh, often parents think, oh, he's just a kid. He, he's only six or seven. He doesn't know what's going on. It's That's not what's happening. Children have the potential for suffering, for experiencing all the emotions we have as adults. It's simply their, their, their mind, their cognitive skills aren't at the higher level. Mm-hmm. And then their, the parent- their emotions are, are very well developed. And then the parent learns that style based on, mm. we're going to talk about parenting styles next time, but yeah. they learn that style from their parents and they just, if you weren't taught how to communicate, mm. you're, you wouldn't be less likely to know how to do that to your children if that, like you basically pass it on. So let's talk about uh, spirituality and uh, people that are, I mean, I've heard both sides, the people that are both <laughs> atheists. And they're looking for some spiritual, they, they mm. seek spiritual uh, enrichment. And then others brought up in a very strict uh, religion. Right. And they're uh, afraid to leave that religion because of the family. And so that entanglement, that environment too. Because a lot of organized religion is community-based. And it's very um, tight-knit and uh, almost like you can't escape it in a way. Or you feel guilty yeah. going beyond that. Yeah, I mean, most... Most people these days, they identify as spiritual, but not religious. And uh, if you, often they're triggered by people that talk about God. or mm. something Don't say like the that. word God, <laughs> the G word. Yes, uh, but it, it, it's part of the culture, right, mm. That where the culture is at. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely influenced not only by the family, but by the culture in general because mass media Mm -hmm. television the internet Mm -hmm. it's all feeding us ideas attitudes that are uh, absorbed unconsciously we're not even aware of what what is going in there because there's so much content or Mm -hmm. you know we're watching uh uh, two to six hours of television uh per day i know it's a lot 5,000 commercials uh, a week for kids, you know. So all these incredible uh, kind of programming that's going on 
uh, we're absorbing that into in, in our mind. So can I ask you a question about that? So when we watch a movie or a television show, and uh, we are our psyche is actually experiencing it as if it's happening to us in some way, or where we're actually there. Like we get yeah. so involved that we feel like we're living the characters and... Uh, how does that affect our psyche, especially if you're watching like zombie movies <laughs> and horror films or, or like tragedies all the time or, or like I, a true crime and, and yeah, stuff like that? Mo- most of us are able, of course, to distinguish what is reality and what is a movie. Mm-hmm. But you always hear of people that don't have that filter, right? They, they, they have difficulty... Uh, screening out what is fantasy and what is a movie and what is reality. But doesn't it still affect you if you're watching things oh, that absolutely. are like a, like aggression and destruction? Well, the news. I mean, yeah. all you have to do is look at the news. <laughs> but I'm talking about like Game of Thrones. A lot of people are like, oh, it's oh. so you know violent. And what does that do to our psyche to watch a violent show? Like, does that? A, I guess if you can discern that you're doing it, or does yeah. it still like? I think, it, it, well, it goes back to what do you consider human nature. I mean, uh, there is a certain satisfaction. Or, or it's else, like our shadow that we feed. Yeah, or, or else people wouldn't watch uh, mm-hmm. violent mm-hmm. scenes over and over and, and hundreds of them, right? Uh, but we, we go see horror movies. We go see violent movies. Uh, we, we get some kind of enjoyment out of them. Well, I find it fascinating that a lot of people, well, true crime is really very popular, mm. but also reality TV, that drama craziness where people are fighting and acting out of control. And we, we are just fascinated, like not me and you, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> we pe- some are. people are. Some people yeah. are really fascinated by that. And they, they just get so, uh, so there's something, some kind of pleasure that we get, like, because we yeah. are not allowed as a persona to express that craziness, that wildness, but there's part of us that's like, ooh, like, <laughs> you know, kind of living it in some way. Yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of a vicarious living through mm-hmm. the characters and through the action that's going on. In so the that's movie. why we feel that satisfaction? Well, Even like killing the, the enemy, like the sword through the you know the evil per- person there's sure. some satisfaction and the sense of justice yeah uh, yeah um but also the let's say we we are storytellers as human mm-hmm. beings what did the we do when we didn't have anything any technologies we sat around the fire and told stories mm-hmm. right we used our imagination uh, we told each other stories about hunting about things that happen to us, love stories. Mm. And and the technology simply amplifies that. Mm. So it's the same story, the, the same adventure. Same characters. Yes, simply told now through mass media. And so when we talk about what our parents teach us as kids mm. in the environment, one of the things that um, I think is really important as an adult is how do we resolve conflicts with other people? Yeah. And we talk about like, you know, the, the heroes, you know, with the sword and the fights. But but uh, in real life, <laughs> regular life, we don't have swords or battles. But what um, what can we learn about our, from our parents about how to when we do have a conflict with someone, we or altercation or fight or uh, someone's unhappy with us yeah. or job boss that's jabbing us. Like, how do we deal with those conflicts and marriages uh, that's also part of the environment. Absolutely. 
And part of the culture as well. Mm-hmm. The um, culture, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it's okay to scream at each other. Like, almost like it's normal. Like, there's some families, it's like you just shout it out, and they're like, yeah, but they'll make up later. And it's almost like a normal way of being. And if you're in that environment, yeah. you think, okay, I'll just, or, or physical fighting, we, we know gets passed down. From generation, there's a physicality to well, it can go either way because mm-hmm. remember, it's 40 40 percent uh, genetics, 40 percent environment, and 20 percent chance. So, so, it's not an absolute, not an absolute, which saves us because it does it means that we won't necessarily play out the same pattern as our parents did. Uh, but often, if we're not really conscious of it and, and we don't do the self inquiry, self examination, uh we either run away from that pattern, right? So if our parents were used to screaming it out, shouting at each other and throwing things, uh, we say, I don't, I, I don't want anything to do with it. That you avoid, you have that avoidant I'm avoid I'm afraid of that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to create that, recreate that. But again, we're kind of caught into it because now we're afraid of it. We're running away from it. And we create a persona that's the opposite. So a pleasing persona, yeah. a person who doesn't want to make waves, someone who plays it plays in the background versus going forward because the people that were loudest and got the most attention in the family were fighting and, and it was aggressive. And, and so, but we're not free to make that. De- we were like, I don't want to be like them, but you're still making the decision to be not like them. And yes. it's still not freedom. Yes. Or we play out the same pattern, mm-hmm. right? Or, or or in moments of stress. Yeah. Like a, anxiety. Like the Oscars. It uh, comes out. Someone is expressing yeah. anger in an uncontrolled way. That's the shadow. Yes. That's it. Uh, and so it's a, the environment you can't, if you don't face it and, and, and understand and recognize it within yourself, it will act out unconsciously. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, this is a failure of my own profession. Psychology hasn't done its job in educating the public on how the mind works. Mm. I mean, this is these are this is really good information for everyone to have. Mm. Parents, kids, uh, pe- couples, uh, individuals, just to have this kind of basic information about how does the mind work. And uh, my profession has not done a good job of disseminating that information. So people depend on pop psychology. When you say your profession, you mean psychology, the medical model? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, Mm -hmm. um, and people depend now on, on information from movies. Instagram pops. (laughs) (laughs) Tip of the day. Be nice to your children. And pointing to the thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, and that's not a good way to do your, your, uh, self-understanding mm-hmm. or self-inquiry mm. and so what uh so, so say someone knows that they were brought up in a certain environment they're trying to escape that environment maybe like escape their mother's shadow escape you know mm. maybe it's uh you know everyone in the family is like middle class or or, or even struggling to pay their bills all the time and they want to succeed or maybe that everyone in their family is divorced or ha- always has like drama in their relationship they want to have a loving relationship or maybe everyone in their family just is unhealthy and they want to be healthy how would someone make that shift from that biological uh, environmental culture uh to them becoming who they really want to be and like and do it not in a way to push away the past but to uh really make a conscious decision outside of it yeah 
Yeah, so it goes back to this quote that we started with, right? That the mind is more muscle than we once believed. It is something that must be continuously exercised to attain and maintain peak fitness, peak performance. So as adults, and even as young uh, teenagers, you start to get the sense that, hey, I can, I can pursue my own interests. But often people believe that, oh, because I've inherited my genes from my parents, that means I'm stuck. I'm, go- I'm going to play out this, uh, the same pattern that they did uh, unconsciously. Why We don't even think about it. We just kind of assume that, oh, because my parents were that way or my culture has taught me that way, that's the, the life I'm going to live. But keep in mind what, uh, what uh, Flynn's uh, research shows, that it, 40% uh, of our behavior, of our expression, comes from the genes. So that's not the, the, the whole picture, right? That's mm-hmm. only 40%. The other 40% is the environment, meaning we have a 40% chance of changing our environment. So we're not locked into our early life environment because we can create a new environment today. That's right. And then, then we have that extra 20%, like a bonus. <laughs> yes, so so that means I can pursue education mm. consciously as an adult or as a young adult or even in, in middle age and older. You can still pursue education. You can tr- retrain your mind and that will change your genetic expression. Mm-hmm. So because it is gene-environment interaction, you're actually changing the potential of your genes, of your intelligence. So you, it's never too late. You can uh, join different groups that have different mindsets mm-hmm. instead of hanging out with the same people. That- <laughs> it's the high school. I, it's so funny, <laughs> when I went back to my high school reunion after i started become became an entrepreneur it was like i had a different mindset around yeah. money around what's possible and i went to my high school reunion and it was like everyone was i didn't have anything in common with them it was just like the conversations were just about their children and you know uh you know the gossip about who got divorced and i was like ah, no one's talking about anything really rich and I could see that if I, and a lot of them stayed in the same town. And we see a lot of people, those of you who know, you go back home for all the holidays and you see your friend from growing up and you're like, they're, they're just kind of still there. They're still in that same bubble. And when we even, for me, even moving out of New Jersey, living in Colorado and meeting a whole bunch of different friends that are, most of them were entrepreneurs. And I, I was, that's what drive, drove me to be an entrepreneur because I never thought of like that before of, something I'd want. And so having an environment, different environment stimulates even stuff deep within you that your soul has probably planned and wanted yeah. to express in this life. And now it, it's almost like, look at those opportunities to that, that these new environments are showing you. So yeah. change your environment, I would say is the number one like well, we have to do the inner work but yeah it's 40 percent. yeah that's a big chunk of your possibility there mm-hmm. in other words you can take the reins of your life mm-hmm. your intelligence your personality uh your abilities uh that's a big opportunity that life is giving us mm-hmm. to direct our own evolution our own growth our own personal development then if you consider there's a 20 percent chance meaning it's up for grabs as well. So now you got 60% available to you 
to play with, mm. to, to design for yourself. You're not stuck in your genetic code. Mm. You're not stuck in your culture and your early training. You can now say, this is what I want to do with my life. And haven't they done studies on like animals and people of putting them in different environments and how it changes them even physiologically? Absolutely. It changes your neurochemistry, your physical uh, uh, biochemistry, because we are, as human beings, uh, our whole mind-body is an interaction with the environment. So as you step outside your comfort zone and experience new things, it changes who you are, the expression from within. Um, so joyful experiences could be one of them. And what about nature? I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, when they think about shifting themselves, like there's something about nature that's very healing. Absolutely. Is yeah. it because we're yeah. so close to, like it's more of the pure divine part of ourselves? Yeah, there's a theory called biophilia, me- meaning we love nature. Oh, that's in- so pretty. Instinctually. I got biophilia. Yeah, because we evolved in it. It's mm. like our mother, right? Mm. We we grew up in this green world mm. of uh, plants and animals and sky and mud and thunder. And it's our inheritance. It's, mm. But we've isolated ourselves. And, and this is part of Jung's work as well. He talks a lot about how modern humans have disconnected themselves to the pavement and to the, our own detriment mm-hmm. from nature right and we we're, we're so focused on proving that we're not beholden to nature mm. uh, by creating our technologies and our concrete buildings and all this and even working in offices and our, yeah. sitting in our car and going to an office we don't really like put our feet in the grass anymore when we were kids we did that a lot you know the wet grass and this after the rain in the summer and just you know wrestling climbing on the ground and laying in the on the blankets in the sun and just playing around with sticks and uh playing you know seeing the animals and it's just such a different experience and um and so environment i mean one of the things that i decided to do when i was in my um 20s is i started buying flowers for myself every day every week on monday i would buy a beautiful fresh (laughs) set of flowers and it was just this little thing that put me in an environment in a space of love you know it's like and people would always say oh deb is it your birthday and i say no someone who loves me very much got them for me like oh did you meet someone new i'm like no i'm talking i bought them for myself and they were like okay (laughs) but it was just this kind of idea of self-love and so what do we do every what can you do today to put yourself in the environment of abundance of love of nurturing uh are you watching too much news are you not meditating are you not um being good to your body by nourishing it you know the eating foods or drinking too much and you're kind of your body feels like it's you're poisoning it and uh instead of nurturing it um just all those things just initially can make such a big impact on a person you feel good about yourself when you take care of your body yes so there's always things we can do to change our mind our brain our Mm. body and that's the great uh, news like Mm. you were saying because it is it means that we can literally take the reins of our life mm. and it will change our, our mind body will respond to that change. But mind is important too. Don't just put yourself in a position thinking the environment's going to do it all. It's a mind environment exchange. 
And there is a saying that the five people you surround yourself with really resemble your life, uh, financially, relationships, uh, health. So look at your friends <laughs> and then look at what you want. And like, you kind of see you will probably all make around the same amount of money. You probably all have the, maybe a similar eating and, and social activities. Uh, and, um, and also um, you, the way you are, have relationships. So if you're with, you know, just a bunch of single friends all the time and there's no like concept of healthy relationships and you're always complaining that no one's out there, think of that where your mind, where your mind is in that environment. It's like, there's no hope there. There's no one there to say that's possible. So it's really important. Just that would be something to think about it. Write down the five people you spend the most time with. And what do you think their mindset is? What do you think their financial situation is? And is that match where you want? Not to say get rid of those friends. <laughs> Maybe it's your mother or your father or your brother. But just to remember that when you're in that c- c- cocoon and around them, that your mind will try to, it's like the brain like kind of resonates in a way around that, calibrates it, to their their way of thinking and being. Absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, so, yeah, you think about how much money you make, how much uh, exercise you do, what kind of activities, what kind of success you have in mm-hmm. your life in general. Uh, a lot of it is your your conditioning, your mm. past experiences. But you can redirect your mind to change all that. Mm. And it's the mind that's able to do that. Yes. So it's an incredible opportunity this life that we have and it it cultivating that desire in the mind Mm. to have some different experience than you had and so it's don't blame your parents don't blame your genes (laughs) (laughs) but uh you can take responsibility of your life today you can't change the past you can't change the environment you were in but you like you said the mind has a muscle and it's it's very uh it can change and you can just like anyone can get puffed up and build up their body we can do the same thing with our mind we can change our yeah. life so great uh, conversation this isn't very interesting and next time we're going to go deeper into parenting styles yes and how did that how does which style leads to an self-actualized adult so those of you who are parents you may want to pay attention to this so you can have a highly enlightened uh, adult child one day (laughs) and then also like really just the styles that uh, the debate on nature nurture again and what these styles do so very interesting conversation then understand the the style that you grew up in as well yeah and we'll continue the debate did your parents (laughs) screw up your life Uh, case for and against nature versus nurture (laughs) so we'll see you next week have a great week and we'll talk to you soon stay well bye-bye bye Thank you for joining us and don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.